This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Bibles with you. Why don't you turn to Luke 12? We're going to get there in just a moment. Luke chapter 12. We're ending our series on Finding Father this month, the month of June. And today we're going to be uh, talking about the Father's care. The Father's care. We've talked about the Father's place, the Father's provision, the Father's purpose. We're going to talk about the Father's care today. You know, In thinking about the Father's care, all of creation, if you think about it, it reveals the need for someone to care. Isn't that right? I know Pastor Ed has a big garden out on his place, and and, uh, we got her little patch out there. But, you know, every garden needs care, doesn't it? If it doesn't have care, you know, the insects will get into it. Weeds will grow up. A garden needs care, you know. If you think about it, even the house you live in, if it's not taken care of, eventually it starts to what? It deteriorates, doesn't it? And it will decline in value. A marriage or a friendship, a relationship, if it's not nurtured, what happens to it? So we see that, and we could just, you know, you could just extrapolate on and on and on. Everything reveals that there needs to be someone to care for it and to take care. Isn't that true? So very often, though, as we look at the news and natural events and we look at the things that, that happen, we, it's real easy to begin to think, man, I don't know if anybody really cares or not. It looks like the, the world is a hard and harsh place. Is there anyone who cares? And even more to the point, sometimes we begin to think, does God really care? When the difficulties of life come against you, or against a loved one, it's, it's not uncommon that that question is, comes right up here in this bump on your shoulders, doesn't it? Because the enemy, how I many you know we have an enemy? He's going to be telling you, see there, God doesn't care. God doesn't really care. If God cared, this or that or the other would have happened, or this or that or the other wouldn't have happened. And so all the time, there's this thing that can be, Kind of in the back of your mind, you know, does Father care? So today we want to look at just a little bit of the Scriptures. And I think just the portion we look at today will give you a really good foundation to begin to get this thing up here renewed and get us uh, thinking accurately again that there really is someone who cares about us in infinite detail. The Bible says he cares so much about you. You're so much on God's mind. He knows every hair you lost today. (laughs) Hallelujah. I may be on his mind more than you are. (laughs) Nah, 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 nah. You brag about having more hair. I brag about maybe I'm on his mind more than you are. (laughs) Just kidding. You know that's not true. God's no respecter of persons, is he? Praise the Lord. Okay, Luke 12, if you found that, we're going to read there, beginning in verse 22. Now, this is, I know, a very familiar portion of Scripture. Therefore, I encourage you to pay the more earnest heed. 
Because, you know, the first thing you think is, your mind thinks, oh, I know that. But how many of you know, I don't care, even John 3, 16, God could show you something new out of that. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what your body or what you will wear. So let's stop here a minute. How do you know when you're worrying about your life? When when you're preoccupied with what you eat and where you live and what you'll wear. Well, I'm not a worrier. Well, you might be and don't know it. It's just, you know, like breathing in and out. He said, don't take, take thought. That word, you know, they're taking thought means to be overly anxious about. Overly anxious about it. doesn't mean it's wrong to ever think about it. But he says when you're overly anxious about it, then you're, you're, you're bordering then what on, rather than trust, you're, you're bordering on worry and anxiety. See, we're talking about what? The Father's care. The Father's care. I remember reading years ago about some preacher. He said, man, he said one of the, the greatest things that ever happened to him was when he finally realized that, you know, that he didn't have to, you know, get up early in the morning and make sure the sun came up and that everything ran just right, that God had it and, you know, God was in control. <laughs> you know, some of us were so caught up that with our life and every detail in it to the degree that we think, you know, if we don't do everything just right, nothing's going to get done. Hello? Life is more than food. I got one amen. It's more than food. And the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. I'm letting that sink in. How much more valuable are you than the birds? Do you believe you're more valuable than a bird? I hope you do. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? You know, worrying has never put not even a dollar bill in my wallet. I don't know what your experience has been, but... You know, no matter how much you work, it didn't put, it didn't, I go to my bank account and it reads the same thing, uh, you know, before I worried, while I was worried, and after I stopped worrying, it read the same. But when I started believing God, things began to change. When I started trusting God, things began to change. Since you cannot do this very little thing, he calls, listen, you should notice what Jesus said. He said, adding an hour to your life is a little thing. Wow, we think that's, we don't even think that's a little thing. We think that's an impossible thing, don't we? Jesus said it was a little thing. Come on now. (laughs) He said, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more? How much more, there's that statement again, how much more, say that with me, how much more, one more time, how much more, how much more will he clothe you, oh you of little faith, Uh uh-oh, when I allow myself to start worrying and fretting and Uh, getting all anxious and caught up about what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to wear and how I'm going to pay the bills. What did Jesus say? That is a symptom of what? Little faith. 
little faith. Do you know you can have $100 worth of faith but only be using a nickel of it? Let that sink in a minute. You can have a hundred dollars worth of faith, so to speak, on the inside of you, but yet you're only using a nickel. And see, when you worry, that's what you're doing. You're not looking at the ninety-nine, ninety-five. You got you. All you can look at is this nickel. Oh God, I got a nickel of little faith. He says, <clears throat> and do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagans, the unbelievers, the worldly people, run after such things. And your father knows that you need them. We're talking about father's care. You think father knows you've got to pay the rent or the mortgage? He th- do you think that God knows you have a car payment? Come on. We say God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. Amen. He says, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. Oh, I like that, don't you? Little flock. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad I belong to his little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. So the first thing is this morning is we need to what? Have faith in Father. I know that's simple, but that's just how it is. Faith in Father. Faith that He's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of you. God's not, God's not going to let you sink down. God's not going to let you be overcome and overwhelmed and life to just trample you down. Listen, have faith in Father. You know why you can? Because He's good. God is good. I heard someone say that that's probably one of the greatest revelations that you'll ever get, really get, get, get down in your heart and in your mind, is that God is good. Oh, Roberts, years ago, That's what he said. He said, God is a good God, and the devil is a bad devil. Well, that's good theology right there. Hallelujah. And we don't have to have a Ph.D. to understand it. God is a good God. The devil is a bad devil. Your father is a good God, and he cares for you. He absolutely does. Uh, Hold your place there, but I want to read from Psalm 34, 8. Listen to this. Ooh, I like this. Psalm 34, 8, listen to this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. Listen, once you taste of the goodness of your Father, you cannot doubt it. It's a taste you never want to get out of your mouth. It's a good taste. (laughs) Blessed is the man or woman who takes refuge in Him. Oh, God is good. Now, you know, we read there, it says, in verse 32, it says that the Father is pleased. You know that word there means to take pleasure. It also means to think well of. You know what the Father is thinking about you today? Good 
thoughts. He's thinking well of you. He has a willingness and a yearning and a desire to shower you with His goodness. Oh, ho, ho, ho. The, the word there also means to be willing and to approve of. Do you know your Heavenly Father, He approves of you? Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> God doesn't just put up with you. He approves of you. He loves you. It's His good pleasure to give you everything that He has. See, the problem is it takes so long. Some people say, well, why don't I have it? Because God's still trying to talk you into believing it. <laughs> He's still trying to talk you into believing it. Because, see, you know what we think about all the time is where I've missed it and how bad I am and what I didn't do and what I should have done and what I could have done. And if that's not enough, we've got probably two or three brothers or sisters that, you know, encourage us with it. Or whoever, or family members that remind us of every mistake we've ever made. And if that's not enough, the devil does it, doesn't he? You're no good, and you didn't do this, and you should have done that, and blah, 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 blah. Listen, don't focus on that. Focus on what God says. So he takes pleasure. You remember Jeremiah 29, 11. You know that, don't you? God says, I know the thoughts. Don't tell God what he thinks. Don't try to tell God what he should think about you. God says in Jeremiah, he says, I know the thoughts I'm thinking. And I'm adding this, thank you very much. <laughs> but God says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. He said, don't listen to the devil tell you what I'm thinking about you. He said, I know the thoughts I'm thinking and I'm going to tell you what they are. He said, good things. He said, it's thoughts to bless you. To fulfill my will and my purpose in your life. To show you good things and not bad. Don't let anybody but God speak for a God. Isn't that right? Anything you hear me say, man, make sure it's in the Bible. I encourage you to do it. Don't just believe it because I'm standing up here behind a, a, you know, a podium telling you on Sunday. You get in the book. Always get in the book. Say that with me. Always get in the book. And by that, you know I mean the Bible. Amen. So God is a good God. And He is thinking thoughts of your well-being. Right now, He's thinking about taking care of you, loving you, forgiving you, meeting your Temporal needs, your spiritual needs, he's, that, that's what is on his mind. He's not thinking about the moon. He put the moon, I mean, he spoke the word to the moon, the moon's obeying. <laughs> he ain't got to be thinking about that. It's the sheep that keep wanting it. <laughs> you know anything about sheep, you got you to stay on top of the sheep. Everybody say, God is good. good. Also, when we have faith in Father, we we need to understand this. God is faithful. God is faithful. Isn't He? Look over in Hebrews chapter 10. Look over there. 
We're talking about the Father's care, finding Father. This is my Father. My Father is not a Supreme Court judge that's up there just waiting to sound the gavel down. I saw that. Just wait till I get you to that woodshed. Now, does God correct us? Yes, He does. But not with a baseball bat. He uses the Word. He uses the Holy Spirit, doesn't He? And if we're real hard-headed, He'll use experiences in life. That's another sermon. We'll get to that one. But He's not putting sickness and disease on you. He's not putting you in a car wreck to teach you something. Now, here's the thing. Do people learn sometimes out of those experiences? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that that was God's schoolhouse. If we will be willing and not stiff-necked and listen and believe and obey God's Word, then He says, He said, it's going to go well with you all the days of your life. This is all right, isn't it? Hebrews 10 we're going to read verse, starting in verse 23. Let this, listen to this. Let us hold unswervingly. In other words, don't turn to the left or the right. To the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. That means, in another place it says, because God is faithful, that means this. He will never deny himself or never deny a promise he has made to you. Mm. We're talking about faith and Father. He's good. He's faithful. So here's what he says we need to do. We need to hold unswervingly. To the promise, the hope we have in Him and in the promises He's made to us. I don't care what it looks like. I'm telling you, God's Word is absolutely true and infallible. And God will bring about what He has said in your life. Come on. God is absolutely committed to you and to His Word, and to fulfilling His good pleasure in your life. But He's looking for someone who will just elevate above little faith. Little faith means what? You worry. Oh yeah, you, you know. You know God. You belong to God. But you know, you're, you're, you're down here. You know, you're in the basement. You're, you're, you got basement bargain faith. When God all along says, He says, I want you to have the God kind of faith. Now, what he said? He said, come on up here and have the top quality faith. The faith that the Bible says he's put in our hearts, what? By the Holy Spirit. Because he said that kind of faith, he said, that will receive everything I provided for you. All of a sudden, when we look through the lens of faith, we see God as he really is, don't we? When you look at God through the lens of worry and fear and anxiety, all of a sudden God seems diminished. God, where are you? I can't find you. Where are you in my life? All I can see is my troubles. All I can see is what's going wrong. But all of a sudden when we begin to look through the lens 
of the faith that God's put in our heart, that faith that comes from God's Word. We look through the lens of that faith. We see God as He really is in His greatness, in His power, in His majesty, in His goodness, and in His faithfulness. Isn't that true? Can you say amen? Listen, I got good news for you. God's cupboard is full. Don't worry about you're going to bankrupt God or, you know, you're going to get so much that sister so-and-so won't get nothing. You know, uh, I, I grew up, you know, those of you who've been attending here, you know this, I've shared this. I grew up, you know, uh, in poverty. That's why I don't like it. I've tasted and seen that it is not good. I'm not telling you what I think. I've been there. I remember, man, you know, on occasion, you know, uh, th- there was eight of us, and, and we, would, uh, we would cook up, you know, we had some chickens out in the yard sometimes, and we got to cook up one of those chickens, man, fry that thing up, man, whoo, I was eating big, <laughs> eating large. You know how many pieces of chicken come out of a small, and you got eight people to feed? Six of them are boys or men. Buddy, you better not hesitate or you won't eat. When they say it's on, you better be at the table. You know, because if you didn't, get, you didn't get your piece quick enough, all you saw was an empty plate. And see, some people, that's the way they think it is in Father's house. There's just enough. And, you know, I, I wouldn't want to go for seconds because, you know, somebody else might not get any. Listen, God's cupboard is full. It's full. It's full. I said it's full. Mm -hmm. Some of y'all need to get a hold of that. Look Look over in 1 Peter. Excuse me, 2 Peter. Let's look over there first, 2 Peter. Chapter 1, listen to this. This is good. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. How does God want you to have grace? How does God want you to have peace? Well, you know, I have peace a couple of days a week. Thank God for that. Well, how would you like to be able to pay your bills some of the time? I like all the time. How do you like it? Well, see, that's abundance. He said he wants you to, not just enough grace so you get in heaven through the back door and the door hits you as you're going in. Man, I barely made it. He said grace in abundance. Say abundance. Abundance. Don't you like the sound of that word? Let's say it again. Abundance. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge. How's it going to come to you? Through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. His divine power. Has given. Now what's given it? Your, your, your smarts. You did everything just right. You crossed every T. You dotted every I. You came to church even when you didn't feel like it. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. The cupboard's full. I said, the cupboard's full. I said, the cupboard's full. Glory to God. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. 
He says, through the knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. What has he given us? His promises. He's given them to you. You might as well take them. If I knew it was your birthday and I gave you a present and you wouldn't take it, that would offend me. Thank God God's not offended. But He still wants you to have it, doesn't He? Here I am holding out. You say, oh, I need $100. And here I am holding it out to you. Oh, if I just had $100. I say, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Please take it. Oh, no, I couldn't take that. I'm not worthy. <laughs> What's worthy got to do with it? We're talking about need. You need 100 Yeah, I got 100 So. I- If we was going unworthy, none of us would have got anything. Isn't that right? The Bible says God looked and saw that nobody was worthy, so he just took it on himself to, to pay the price through Jesus, and anybody that would believe on him could get it all. <laughs> so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world by evil desires. You know, I found this out, that, that when we are looking to God to meet every need of mine, then that really diminishes the, the power of an evil desire coming upon me to go get it myself. Come on. Well, I'm going to get three jobs and I'm going to work a hundred hours and neglect my family because I got to make ends meet. Hello. God says, I've given you everything you need for this life, for godliness. So we need to do it. So the cupboard is full. All we need for life, he said, is provided. And all we need for the life to come is provided in Christ Jesus. So I want the abundance for this life. And I want the abundance... For the life to come. Isn't that right? How I many you know there's no dirt roads in heaven? When I was growing up, man, we lived. I was talking to uh, Valina, Miss Bunny, yesterday. I grew, up, I, I grew up way out in the country, and, and it was a dirt road. Any young people know what a dirt road is? And so, man, in the summer, when it gets like it is now, real dry, you know, when a car goes by, you know, man, it just dusted everything. I mean, it was dust all over everything. And I told him, I said, you know, when we on around the road a ways, we had some neighbors that were more prosperous. And so they would bring out, a, they would hire an oil truck, you know, to have a little sprayer on the back, come by, and it would spray down that oil, and that would settle the dust. So, you know, when they came by our house, boom, man, there's this dust. Everywhere you're coughing and choking, everything's covered in dust. You go by their house, everything's green and nice. Man, I used to think, boy, wouldn't it be nice if we could have some oil down in front of our house? Wouldn't that be nice? But I guess it just wasn't meant to be. Some people have, you know, some people have oil in front of their road and some don't. I probably don't earn, I probably don't deserve it. Come on. 
We can get that kind of attitude, you know, and it begins to affect how we see Father. Listen, Father don't love those that's got oil in front of their road any more than He loves you, the, the dust flying. But here's the good news. If you want some oil, you can have some in front of your house too. Now, if you like the dust, enjoy the dust. <laughs> I didn't enjoy the dust. Maybe you do. If you do, great. Wonderful. <laughs> Glory to God. All we need for life and what? The life to come. We're talking about what? The Father's care. So you know really what God is saying to us in these Scripture verses? Come and get it. What does he say about salvation, the forgiveness of sin, becoming a child of God, going to heaven? What does he say about that? Whosoever will, come and get it. What's the greatest thing God's ever going to do for you, for anybody? Isn't it what I just said? Forgive all my sins. Make me a child of God so that heaven is my eternal home. Well, if God gives you the mansion, you think he's going to worry about the car parked in front of it? <laughs> Give me a mansion, Lord, but the dirt road's okay. Come on. Come and get it. All right, let's turn over to a real familiar scripture. So stay focused. How you doing out there? Mark 11, listen to this. He says, come and get it. So how are we going to get it? Very simple, isn't it? He said, well, let's back up to 22. Have faith in God. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. I mean, believe Jesus tells the truth. He said, I'm telling you the truth. If anybody says this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen. It will be done for him. Therefore, or because of this principle of faith, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe. See, this is our problem sometimes. We do a lot of asking in prayer, but we forget to believe. After you pray, the next, see, that's important. You're praying, good. That's good. Prayer's not hard. It's just asking Father for something you need. How hard is that? That's easy, isn't it? But see, it's step two. I tell people all the time, if, if you were making a recipe for a cake that called for two eggs and it also called for a flour, you know, two cups of flour, whatever it was, and milk and so forth. What if you just put nothing but flour in it and stuck it in the oven? What are you going to get? It ain't going to be a cake. And see, we, a lot of people are like that. Well, I'm praying. Pastor, I'm praying. I'm, I've been praying. I'm praying up a storm and down a storm. And I'm praying heaven down and earth up. And I'm praying. I'm praying. But here's the thing. You won't get the heavenly cake till you put the other ingredient with it. He said, when you pray, <laughs> believe. Believe that you have received it. When do you receive it? When you pray. When do you believe you receive it? Right after you pray. Yeah, but I can't see it. What did he say anything about seeing here? He talked about praying and believing. He didn't say a word about seeing. So don't be adding that to it. 
That'll confuse you. See, we, we get all uptight about our part and our brother and sister's part and, and our neighbor's part and God's part. And, you know, we can't even take care of our part. He said, believe that you receive it. And he, what did he say? And it will be yours. Woo. You know, you could liken it like this. Just like if you have a checking account. You got, you got $10,000 in your checking account. Well, you know, I could ask you. You know, I saw you out somewhere. I said, hey, could, could you loan me $50? Well, I don't have 50 on me. But I can write a check. And you can take it to the bank. And they'll give you $50. Well, here's the thing. You might not have what you need right now. But you've got a heavenly bank account. The exceeding great and precious promises that God has given to us. He said, so you've got it deposited. He said, so when you pray, you're writing a check. But when you get the money is when you believe you receive. So come and get it. Just come up to the table and eat. You can have seconds. Come back for thirds. If that ain't enough, come for force. Come on. I don't know about you, but I'm expecting to have a gold street and curb in front of my, my house up there. How about you? I don't think it's going to run out and then, you know, going to be shantytown. <laughs> you know, some going to live on the gold street mansion. We're going to be in the lean-to with the dirt road. <laughs> Every time so Elijah rides the chariot bike, it's going to dust my house. <laughs> So what are we going to do in this life? Carefree living. Listen, this is hard for us to get across because of religious thinking and religious teaching. We think if we're not straining, if we're not, you know, kind of, you know what I mean? <clears throat> that somehow we're not spiritual. Somehow we just don't love God as much as the other or we jump a little higher. Well, that's, that's fine if you want to jump. But it ain't got nothing to do with jumping. Jump or not jump. Shout loud, shout low. Has nothing to do with it, does it? He says he wants us to be carefree. Can you imagine the peace that would come upon you if you begin to live carefree? You know, some people think, oh, if I could just win publishers here, uh, you know, clearinghouse, I'd be carefree. No, you wouldn't. If you worry now, you'd worry then. You'd worry about how you're going to keep it. If somebody's going to get it. See, see, worry is not rational. It's, it's just, I mean, it just does what it does. But he says, I want you to have carefree living. So how are we going to do it? The first way you're going to do it is by throwing it away. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look over there. We're going to throw it away. How do you have carefree living? You've got to get rid of your cares. How do you get rid of your cares? Throw them away. You know, I, uh, going in ministry, I'm, I'm really starting about the 35th year of ministry. And in that, bless your heart, sweetie, my wife, we have moved a few places. And it's amazing, isn't it? If you've moved any, when you get to a new house and you move everything in, and then the next time you get ready to move, it always seems like you have more. 
And I'm thinking, where'd all this extra stuff? We didn't, we didn't, when we moved here, we didn't move this. I know I didn't move that piano in here when I moved. <laughs> Just kidding. But, you know, you, it seems like you accumulate stuff. You know, and, and, and I know this, the last time we moved up from down in South Florida, we moved up here. It was the same way. You know, I, I hired the biggest truck I could get, you know, to drive. But, you know, we got to the end of the truck, and I mean, barely could shut the door. It stacked up, and guess what? We still had stuff. Do you know what we did? We got rid of it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't rent another trailer and pull it behind. I said, we're getting rid of this. This we don't need, honey. We're getting rid of this and this. We give it over here. Give it over. Well, we're getting rid of some of this stuff. You know what? Some of us need to do that with our cares. Instead of loading them up into that U-Haul, just, I mean, get, throw some of that stuff away. Now, this is not just good advice from me. Listen to what God says about it. We're going to read over there in 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Listen to this. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. You know, some Christians are kind of like the guy, you know, was walking along out in the country, you know, and he had this, you know, he was carrying this, uh, he had this heavy load, he was carrying it, you know, and, and a guy came by in his pickup truck and saw him there and said, man, he said, uh, you want a ride? He said, yeah, I'd love a ride. He said, well, hop on the back there. So the guy jumps on the back of the truck and goes down the road, but he still got the load on him. See, the smart thing would be to do was when he got on the truck, take the load off and put it on it too. See, a lot of Christians, Jesus is carrying you like that truck, but here's the thing: you got instead of just putting it down on Jesus, you're still carrying it. <laughs> this word to 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 cast or to throw your anxiety means an act, an active and pers- purposeful action. You got to do this on purpose. It's not automatic. You've got to purposely take your cares and throw them over on the Lord. One of the best ways I know to do it is to verbalize it. I'm taking this care. I'm taking this fear. I'm taking this anxiety, Lord, and I'm giving it to you now. I'm not going to pick it back up. You're going to carry it. You're going to carry it. You're taking care of me. I believe in your love for me, your care for me. We throw it away. Isn't that right? We throw it away. We give it to Him. And then we have something I like to call it our faith pipeline. And that faith pipeline is going, it's an imaginary pipeline that goes up from every believer to heaven. And you know what we do that pipeline there's a divine exchange that takes place. I give him all my cares and problems and troubles, and I get all his grace, peace, and provision. What a deal. What a deal. But here's the thing. If you don't use your pipeline, what good is it? You're like that person, you know, 
The guy looks in his rearview mirror in his pickup truck and sees the guy back there on the pickup truck and he's still holding this big heavy burden. He thinks, man, what in the world's wrong with this guy? I picked him up not just to give him a ride, but to, to relieve the burden that he was carrying. Jesus is not just here to give you a ride to heaven, but he wants to relieve the burdens you're carrying. Rest. Say that word. Yes. Anybody like that word, rest? Yes. Isn't it? Don't you like it? You know, you, you lay your head down at night, and there, those times when you just have just such a peace, and you just, just drift right off to sleep. Isn't that, isn't that great? You know, you wish, man, I could, just, I could live this way every moment. I just have that peace of rest. Well, you know what? That's what God wants you to have. It matters to Him. Your rest, your peace matters to Him. Are you listening? It absolutely matters to God that you have rest. That's what He wants you to have. Look over in, uh, I believe it's Matthew 11. Listen to what Jesus said Himself. I'm just about to close. So hang on. Matthew 11. Listen to this. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Weary and burdened. Jesus is not just looking for the high achievers. He's looking for the rest of us. <laughs> he said, and I will give you rest. Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle, humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is twice as hard and my burden ten times heavier. Oh, I got that wrong, didn't I? He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Then where in the world did we get this thing in Christianity, especially us, us full gospel spirit-filled people about, you know, having this burden? That makes you look like, you know, you just lost your best friend and everybody else. <laughs> Do I look spiritual yet? So, no, you look like you're in pain, but I don't know about spiritual. <laughs> Where do we get? He said this, the opposite is true. The, the more carefree, the more lighthearted, the more peace you have, obviously, the more you're walking in God's will and plan for your life. Hallelujah. You know, you get around most Christians and you start living like that, they think something's wrong with you. You're being irresponsible. Like it's more responsible, you know, if I stay up, you know, and, and you know, worry to the point that I, you know, I get an ulcer or something or I start having migraines, then I'm spiritual. <laughs> That doesn't, sounds crazy when you say it out loud, doesn't it? He said, he said, rest, it matters to God. God wants you to be at rest. You know what? When we understand what Father cares, He cares about the hair on your head. 
He cares about the car in your driveway. He cares about the house that you live in. He cares about your sons, your daughters, your grandchildren. He cares about everything that matters to you. It matters to Him. It matters, it matters, it matters to Him. That's another thing religion has told us. Well, you know, now the big things God will handle, but you know all that other stuff you're responsible for. Oh, it's awful quiet in here. Am I messing with your theology? Let me give you some action steps as we close here real quickly. This week and in the weeks to come, remind yourself of God's goodness. He's good. Especially when it, things don't look like it's going your way. You ever had any time when things didn't look like they were going your way? Ooh, we could all write a book about that, couldn't we? That's the time we really need to remember. God's good. I said, God's good. God's good. I will live and see the goodness of God. Didn't he tell us over there, don't cast away your hope in the goodness and the promises of God? Secondly, remember his provision. When you're tempted to worry, get, go for the antidote. You know, uh, we live here in the south, you know, we got all kind of poisonous steaks, you know, rattlers, all, all kind of variety of moccasins and things like that. You know, if you get, by one, get bit by one and you go to an emergency room, you know what they administer? An anti-venom, the antidote. When the venom of the enemy comes in or life comes in and says, it's bad, it's not going your way, uh, you know, it looks bad, you're not going to make it, God don't care, then you know what you need to do? Get the anti-venom. Third, throw all your worries on Him. Throw them. No, He said, throw them. Well, I, you know. And then lastly, let your faith rise to embrace God's goodness. Your pipeline. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.